Welcome back, everybody. This is Randall Cunningham for River City Media. And I think we named it Beyond the Booth, but we're going to find that out. Next week, we could have a different name, but it's Phil Harris, Randy Cunningham, every week. QB1 and Phil bring you stories from around the area. And tonight, we are so, so, so privileged to have someone that uh, everybody in North Alabama knows, but even I, when I get off the, the radio in the Chattanooga area, Jeff, the first thing I do is flip to QSB to catch up with the scores down there. And, and we're going to bring him in in just a second with uh, Jeff Allen. But, Phil, why don't you tell us a little bit about Jeff before we bring him in? Since you've worked with him and uh, Friday night, y'all do just such an amazing job. Well, uh, I'm going to say that Jeff is the ultimate professional. You know, he is a real stickler for uh, – doing things the right way, making sure, you know, everything goes smoothly. Uh, he's done it for so long. It just kind of, you just kind of follow suit. What I like about the way he handles the show, we stick to the program. We stick to high school uh, football, the communities, the coaches, the kids, and it's all high school now. Now, every once in a while, we'll share a few scores like the Brazier in the playoffs or if there's an important college football game on but for the most part, we stick with high school sports because it's their night. And that's probably the best thing about that show to me. Well, let's welcome in from WQSB Scoreboard Show. Welcome aboard, Mr. Jeff Allen. Congratulations on your recent election to the Hall of Fame, Jeff. A lot of big news. Well, uh, I do appreciate it, Phil. You read that perfectly for me. Thank you for what I wrote tonight. Uh, you read that very well. And uh, but uh, yeah, it, it was it was an honor for me uh, to be elected to the Jeff County Sports Hall of Fame inducted last year. And and uh, you know, very surprising. I, I I guess the reason I got in is because I've been doing it so long. You know, this is this is my forty second year uh, to do high school sports on the radio and. Uh, looking forward to another year. This is will be, I guess, 34 for the WQSB High School Football School Board. And Phil joined in. He's the longest tenured uh, uh, co-host. I guess, Phil, this is what, 15 or 16? I think it'll be 16 years this fall. I think it's going to be, you're right. You know, Robert Reeves was there when we kicked it off back in 1990. And Robert stayed uh, about eight years till he went back to Channel 19 full time. And then uh, John Holder, which a lot of people know from the area, uh, John was there for about four years. And uh, uh, about four years there, I had different folks in. Bill finally decided that uh, he wanted to uh, stay in one place on Friday night instead of following the Scottsboro Wildcats around. So we got him to come on QSB. And this, uh, I think it's been a great partnership with Phil for the last 16 seasons. Uh, Jeff, I'll turn you over to Phil to ask you some questions, but those nice words were not only shot at you. I think he meant them towards me, too, because I jump topics on him every five minutes. So <laughs> I think he paid you a compliment and backhanded me. So, Well, I don't know about that, but uh, uh, Phil's a great co-host. Uh, you know, uh, as I say, we've, uh, we've developed a good partnership and, and, uh, you know, from working with other folks, you, you just, uh, there's some folks that's easy to work with. And, uh, Phil's one of those guys that's been easy to work with down through the years. And I think we formed a good partnership and again, look forward to another year of high school football, which is gosh, right around the corner now. All right. Yeah, here. 
All right, one yeah, subject. Yeah. One subject, Phil, you take it over from here. Okay. Uh, well, uh, Jeff, you know, it's amazing what the school board has done, how amazing how it's grown. But, you know, but when I talk to other people, it's, it's just, you know, it's wonderful to hear. But it's WQSB High School football school board on Friday night has become a tradition. You know, people look forward to getting in their cars after the ball game and flipping the radio on and listening to the show. Uh, you know, some of that's been doing this for a long time, but I think a lot of it's because of the quality that we put out there. Well, again, Phil, back in 1990 when Robert and I started the school board show, that was what we wanted to do. We, we wanted to promote high school football because, you know, 34 years ago there wasn't cell phones. Uh, there wasn't the Internet to any extent that uh, we knew about. And it was just hard to get scores on Friday. It was hard for people to get scores. And so we started something, and we wanted to cover all the small schools. You know, your Gadsdens, your Albert Bulls, your Gunnersville, your Huntsville's. You know, those bigger schools had a newspaper following them. But your Valley Heads and Collinsville's and Sandrock and Galesville and Cedar Bluffs and, and those, uh, that you know, didn't get a lot of publicity. And so – that was one of the reasons Robert and I wanted to to begin school board and uh, and handle it the, the way we did, and uh, it, it really took off in 1990, and uh, it just blew my mind. And then uh, one of the things that uh, we started doing to promote the show back in those days would we we would go out to one of the top high school games before we'd set up like a little tailgate and we'd promote the show, hand out bumper stickers, and remind people that after the game. Uh, they could listen to the high school football school board. Of course, in those days, you know, all the games kicked off at 7.30. So it yeah. was really kind of late in the evening before we started getting scores because, you know, people would have to stop at, uh, at pay phones coming home or they'd have to go all the way home to give us a score. And as I tell people, one of the things that we did back in the old days is uh, we had all the uh, police stations in the area, we knew who their dispatcher was. And usually if a school was on the road, they sent a they sent a police car with the buses. And then so that would call the dispatcher, and the dispatcher would call uh, the policeman that went with the buses, and they'd give us a score. And uh, that's how we were able to get scores back in the old days. But as you know, it's not like that now, thank goodness. <laughs> well, Jeff, when you started, did you ever dream that the school board would be so successful? Uh, not, not really. I mean, it was just a labor of love. I, I, I've always loved high school sports. And, you know, we just wanted to start something to promote those smaller schools and all schools, in fact. And, and but who had ever thought that it would take off like it did? Of course, we were really the only thing out there at the time. And, you know, they say imitation is a form of flattery. And I, I think just about every radio station in Alabama now that uh, has some form of the school board after their their football game on Friday night. But, you know, we're kind of a standalone. We begin at 9 o'clock on Friday night, and we go to midnight. And we want to be there just as soon as the game is over, as soon as those people can walk to their cars and get in their cars and turn on the radio. We want them to listen to QSB. And of course, you know that. So, Yeah, yeah of course, you know. And the thing is, we get great response from is coaches. You know, anytime you text one of them, if they don't have somewhere where they've got to be or they're caught up where they can't get cell service, they often call in 
and they're very appreciative of the job that's done on Friday nights by WQSB. Well, you know, we started, as I talked, uh, Robert and I started back in the early 90s. Uh, about this time every year, we would start visiting all the coaches. We'd personally go to every school and sit down and try to spend 15 or 20 minutes with each of the coaches. And we kind of, I, I was able to develop a relationship with most every coach in North Alabama. And, of course, that's been a lot of coaches down through the years. You know, there's there's only one coach in North Alabama that was coaching when we started the school board that's still a head coach right now. And you know who that is. Uh, Dale Pruitt. Dale Pruitt. Hey, okay. All right. Dale, Dale, I was going to guess Mike Robertson, but. No, uh, Mike. Dale Pruitt was. Uh, Dale has been around. I think maybe this will be his 40 or 41st year uh, as the, as a head football coach. And I think uh, Coach Benefield was maybe 93. I think Coach Benefield starting his either 31st or 32nd season. And obviously this will be our 34th. So, you know, down through the years, there's been a lot of relationships built up with coaches. And the, the greatest thing, as you know, Phil, is, you know, the assistant coaches one day are going to be head coaches. So, you know, uh, those assistants have, uh, you know, when the when the coaches go in the locker room and turn on the radio on Friday night or turn it on on the bus, those assistants are on there with them. So, uh, you know, you meet some of these assistants when you go to the schools, but you don't remember them until they become the head coach somewhere, you know. Yeah, yeah but, they, but you know, the thing is, though, they remember us. Though. I mean, it's, right. it's like uh, – uh, one coach I saw during basketball season, he said, Phil, I've been listening to you for years, but I never have met you. Right. So, you know, and, you know, that's the kind of thing I'll get a lot of the times. But, Jeff, I want to get off the subject a little bit. This is something we haven't discussed. What do you think about the Northeast Community College starting an athletic program? What's that mean? What's that going to mean for our athletes around the area? Uh, I, I think it's great, Phil. You know, when I was in high school at Crossville years ago, Northeast had a sports program, and uh, I don't know how many years when they canceled their sports program, but I just think it's great for, you know, especially kids, uh, athletes in the cab in Jackson in the surrounding counties uh, because they're going to have an opportunity maybe to play at home where they may have had to go uh, maybe out of state or uh, further away from home to, to play sports. I, I think it's outstanding. And I saw a rendering. I don't know if you saw it just uh, a couple of days ago with the softball field. Those guys are about to build up there. And yes. it, it, it looks like any SEC. I mean, you look at it, uh, it looks uh, SEC quality to me. So uh, it's great. I think that uh, they're getting – uh, their sports programs going. I know it's good for Snead State down in Boaz because that's going to be another rivalry for them. You know, Gadsden State, they ended their sports programs a few years ago and they're starting them up again. So that's going to be a great rivalry in our area between Gadsden State, Snead State, and uh, and uh, Northeast. And you throw Wallace over in Coleman, that's, that, that's four uh, really good junior colleges that uh, a lot of our local kids are going to maybe have a chance to go and play there. Yeah, a lot of, you know, opportunity to extend their education that maybe they might not have. You know, of course, Northeast named their softball coach, uh, Coach Guthrie, who's coming in. He was a Division One softball right. coach and was at Texas A&M as an assistant last year. So, you know, I talked to Chad Gorman, and, and he asked I, he asked the coach, he goes, why would you want to come to a junior college? He said, well, I'm tired of all of the NIL stuff and the NCAA stuff. He goes, 
if a kid needs a ride somewhere, I have to go look through a book and see if I'm doing anything wrong. Right. And I'm tired of that. So now he gets to come to a level where he can just coach softball and not have to worry so much about that kind of thing. Well, I think probably for him, uh, that's a challenge because he's starting a program right off the ground. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he's an old, I don't know the gentleman. I'm sure he's probably an older gentleman that's been around and coached a while. And this may be uh, an opportunity to do something and start a program and build a foundation, you know, that will go on for years. And he can, he can, and his family can look back and say, hey, I'm the guy that started that. Yeah, because this will be the first time they have a softball program. Uh, you know, they've had a basketball program, had some uh, boys programs in the past, but I think this will be the first time they've had a girls softball program there. Yeah, of course, they've already gotten golf going. Men and women's right. golf cross country's coming in this fall. So, and I think they wanted to have softball because they felt like they could compete. Dr. Campbell figured like they can compete in softball. You know, because a lot of their roster may be built around the Jackson, DeKalb, Marshall, Cherokee County. Probably maybe half of the kids will be from those areas. Softball program, you look at the outer softball program, you look at the Plainview program the last few years. I mean, you could recruit a team just from those three schools and probably be competitive with anybody. Yeah, well, I'm really looking forward to it. Of course, we've got football coming up. I know you're excited this time of year. Of course, Randy wants to talk to you about the media days we have coming up. You can tell him the dates. And, and, and of course, I think he wants to know, you know, how they're going to be streamlined. He may be going to come down. But this is an exciting time where you used to have to go visit all these coaches. Now they come to you because every con- press conference I've been to, every coach shows up and is glad to be there. Yeah, we, we kicked that off here in uh, about two weeks from tomorrow on the 25th in Mandalore County. I think that we'll have a total of about 34 coaches uh, on uh, over three days during that week in Etowah and then in Marshall County on uh, July the 27th. And we'll be in Rainsville for the DeKalb in Jackson County Media Day on the 28th. And, you know, I look forward to meeting new coaches. Like I said, you know, I still miss that opportunity, Phil, uh, to go and sit down one-on-one with them in their office and talk about things. And But, it, uh, you know, it's the way school is now and school starting so early, you used to school didn't start the middle of or end of August, and you had pretty much all of August where you could arrange to go see coaches when they weren't in the classroom. But that's not the case anymore. And so that's that's one of the reasons we had to kind of switch about five years ago to the media days. I know the coaches like it because they get to bring, you know, two to three to four players and the players get that experience to, you know, to get in front of the press. And, you know, most of the Huntsville TV stations are there at, uh, uh, at our media days. And, uh, you know, the DeKalb in Jackson County, I, there's probably 20 or 30 media folks there which is great to see them there. Yeah, definitely. So, Jeff, um, uh, Randy, you want to ask Jeff any questions about any of it? Yeah, Jeff, we have concentrated on trying to bring the um, experience to the high school athlete, more like the college athlete. And this is straight out of, like, SEC media days, ACC media days. Where did you get your inspiration to do this? Well, 
Uh, I was invited uh, about six or seven years ago uh, to the Calhoun County Media Day down in Anniston. And John Holder, who I mentioned earlier, that was my co-host back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, John is involved in high school sports down in Calhoun County, and he invited me. And they handled it, as you say, just just like they do SEC Media Days. And I went down there and, and uh, saw what they did and how they handled it. So I came back to the station with the idea. Uh, and it took a couple of years to to, to, to kind of get it off the ground. Uh, but I think this will be our fourth or fifth year uh, to, to have the coaches. And, and like you say, we try to treat it just like SEC Media Day. You know, each team will come in. Now, you know, it's only about 15 or 20 minutes that they have in front of the media because, like in DeKalb County, in Jackson County, we'll have 14 coaches in that day. Right. And down in down in uh, Etowah County, we'll have 10 coaches. And in Marshall County, we'll have eight coaches. So, of course, it's a busy time of the year for them, so I don't want to take up too much of their time. So, you know, they come and they'll have 15 or 20 minutes in front of the media, and uh, then they'll be able to – to, to go back and do the things they need to do. Jeff, do you do you have a situation sometimes when the kids just won't, don't want to talk and you almost have to drag it out of them, or are they pretty talkative at, at once they get in front of the media? Well, most of the coaches seem now that they know how it works. They like to bring seniors. They like to bring kids that they believe that will speak up and, uh, you know, most most of the time, uh, when you ask a young man a question, they're going to answer. Sometimes they may be short, uh, but they're going to answer. And sometimes you really get some good answers from some of those young men. So uh, uh, when you when you ask them about their work in the summer and uh, the leadership on the team and those things that are developed, you know, in spring practice and through the summer, because they're there. They're there working every day with uh, those those guys, and uh, they know how they're working and, and pointing toward uh, a new season. You know, I do a podcast weekly with Coach Van from Sylvania, and he was so complimentary of this event. What have you done over the years to keep it flowing, to keep it streamlined? Because Coach Van, his, his first words when I asked him about it was, it runs pretty flawlessly and it's like clockwork. I'm sure there's some lessons along the way to get there. Well, the, the thing is, you know, working in radio, if you've ever worked in radio, you work by clock. And I've been 40 years in the radio. And if, you're, if your program starts at 9 o'clock, you've got to be there at 9 o'clock and start. If your first commercial break is at 10 after, you take it at 10 after. So basically, that's the way I do media day. You know, your first coach is there, uh, say, at 10 o'clock. The next coach is going to be there. He's going to go up at 10, 15 or 10, 16. Right. Uh, it may take you a minute. So, you know, sweet because over a period of 14 coaches, if you're not on time, if you're three or four minutes late with 14 coaches at the end of the day, you're an hour behind. Absolutely. And, and yeah, because they, they, yeah, they want to get in there and have a yeah, I mean, they've got they've got things to do too. Uh, they appreciate what you're doing, but it's it's a busy time of the year, so you don't want to, you want them uh, to know what time. Which uh, I already have uh, contacted every coach, and they know what time uh, their 
a time before the media is. And then I'll remind them a day or two ahead of time uh, when they are. Now, I can tell you uh, a couple of years ago, one of the things that uh, is funny to me is, uh, you know, the first year we had the DeKalb Jackson Media Day, we had it at the Rainsville uh, Civic Center, the Cab County Civic Center, I think is what it's called now, the Cab School Civic Center. So, uh, I and we moved it the next year to the Tom Bevel Center there at 35 and, and 75. So I had talked to Coach Benefield and informed him we'd moved. <laughs> and I texted him the day before that it was at the uh, uh, Enrichment Center. Well, he went to the uh, uh, to the uh, Coliseum. Well, I knew he was late, but thank goodness one of the other coaches was there with his players. So basically what we did is we took that coach and moved him up into Coach Benefield's time. Then when Coach Benefield came in, I texted him and uh, uh, and told him where we were at. And he came in. So it, it just ran smooth. I don't know that anybody ever knew uh, in the media that Coach Benefield was out of spot, out of place. That is hilarious. <laughs> Of course, he, Coach Benefield got on me on a podcast one time, Jeff, for, for asking why he didn't throw to his tight end more, and he explained to me it wasn't execution, it's the final result. So he would tell you he was on time for the final result. Yeah, it was the final result. And, of course, who can argue with a guy that's won uh, 330 football games in his career? <laughs> yeah. Bill, I'm, I'm going to ask Jeff one more I'm going to ask him one more, and I'll come back to you. Um, and this this okay. has nothing to do with the media days, Jeff. I I, I listen. I do Sequatchie County football. I get out. I turn you and Phil on because of my attachment to North Alabama and those scores. That you know, I we can't get them in the Chattanooga area from anywhere but WQSB. Can you tell us um, outside the radio what your streaming format is, and then Phil will come back to you. So. A lot of people are like me, find you out of the area. Okay, well, uh, you can download our WQSB app and listen live anytime. It's it's you know on your uh, on your uh, you know the apps where you find your apps on your phone. You can download it, and as I tell a lot of people, all you got to do is download it on your app. And most everybody now has a car that's got hands free. Yeah. You know, your Bluetooth connects to your radio when you get in, and you can take us anywhere you go. And, uh, of course, you know, the thing that we try to do is, as I was telling somebody the other day, that asked how many schools that we followed. And there's 206 teams that are in uh, what I consider North Alabama. There's like 390 that play football in the state of Alabama, high school football, and we follow 206 of them, so over half of them which means we have over 100 games every Friday night. So uh, we have a behind-the-scenes crew that's outstanding. There's three guys behind the scenes that are getting scores. And, of course, I've got contacts. Phil's got contacts, uh, you know, all over North Alabama that uh, sends the scores. And that's one of the great things about technology now that we didn't have years ago that we have now that, you know, we have scores instantly. I mean, yeah. it's great to be sitting there on Friday night and, you get a text and the, somebody, a team has just scored to take the lead late in the game. And, uh, and then uh, you start getting texts from the other side. If the other side's driving down the field, we're at the 20 yard line with 30 seconds to go and we're throwing into the end, you know, and you know, you're, 
you're actually kind of doing play-by-play for the people because people are sending you that information, and that's that's just a wonderful thing to me. Uh, I, I love that. That's awesome, Phil. Yeah, especially, yeah, especially when we can mention kids' names. That's always great. Parents and coaches love that part of it because, you, you know, you want to put them on a pedestal because last you want to hit an abrupt halt sometimes to these kids when they finish high school. So you want them to be on a pedestal uh, and build their self-esteem. Coach, that's a coach's job. That's also our job. That's what our the media people is supposed to do. You're not supposed to be ridiculing kids and telling them what they did wrong. You focus on telling them what they do right, even if they lose. It doesn't matter to me. It's about competing. And, Jeff, you know, talking about media days, it's also going to be the same way with media days. It will be streamlined on WQSB because fans are not really allowed to be there. It's mainly just press people, coaches. It's done during the day. People's got to be at work. But they can go back and listen to any part of the media days that they want to. Yeah, we won't, it won't be live that day, Phil, but usually we, we record them. We put them on Facebook, on the WQSB Facebook page. They'll be on our scoreboard page that they can go back. And, of course, we'll uh, we'll divide up, you know, if it's playing to you or five. You know, they won't all run together. You can just go and watch the ones that you want to watch. So uh, we do that for fans. Uh, you know, media days is about a month away from the kickoff of the season. And uh, so everybody's kind of getting into the high school football uh, wanting to hear more about high school football now. So uh, it's, it's that time of the year, and we got to get ready to go for a new season. Well, definitely so. Uh, you know, of course, and I'm looking forward to a couple of weeks down when we start off in Etowah County, and it'll be good to get back with you again, kind of get the kinks worked out and get ready for high school football scoreboard again because it comes around so fast. Yeah, Phil, one thing I want to mention, you know, uh, every year, and this is always a, something that happens every year in high school football, uh, in that I talked about 206 schools that we try to cover. Out of that 206 schools, there's 41 new high school football coaches this year in those schools. And, wow. in, fact, uh, in fact, Spring Garden just named a new head football coach today, you know, Jason Howard. Uh, left left Spring Garden and went. He's going over to Rome. Uh, he's retiring in the state of Alabama, and moving over there and coaching. And they they named Barrett Ragsdale, their defensive coordinator, as their head football coach today. So uh, here, just about a month before the season starts off. Of course, he's not new to the program. He's been there for years. But uh, I, I, I don't know if he's listening in or anybody. That knows him, but uh, I, I'm proud that he's going to get an opportunity to step into a, a very good situation there, Spring Guard. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, Coach Howard built a great program there. It was a school that was mainly known for basketball, and he really put Spring Garden on the map for football because, you know, they've got great fans. Their community is, they follow any of their sports, but, you know, their football program has been good, and it, you know, it's especially been good for that community. It really has. You know, they named the, the football field after Jason Howard just a couple of years ago. You know, they built a nice new – it's as nice a 1A stadium as there probably is in northeast Alabama. And just a couple of years ago there at Spring Garden. And I think uh, we've talked about it uh, 
back in your day that you played over there and the conditions weren't quite as good as they are now. No. <laughs> you know, we had we had a flooded locker room and you know, played basically in the countdown. Go ahead, Randy. Hey Jeff, um one last question. I've already talked about uh, me being out of state. What is, uh, this sounds crazy, but what's the, the farthest distance you ever had a caller from uh, back in the days when you used to take fan calls? Oh, well, we still take fan calls. We just don't have really enough time to, yeah. uh, to, to work them in, but we don't have quite as many as we used to. Uh, I guess the furthest one away uh, that I can remember was uh, Laverne, Alabama. That's, that's, that's a good little trip. Uh, now, needless to say, we have people, uh, I know that about, uh, I guess, uh, Phil was probably working with me. It's been 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, there was, uh, I think, a young man that played at Geraldine at the time. Can't remember the young man's name, but he was on a ship in uh, over in the Indian Ocean. Oh, wow. And, and listening to schoolboy. I don't know how he was listening to it. But he said he was listening to school board. Don't know what time of the day it would be over there. But he was on a ship, and uh, he was able to uh, – maybe maybe he sent me that, maybe not that night, but I got an email from him uh, the next week that he had been listening in the Indian Ocean. That's probably what happened. So that's probably the, the furthest distance anyone has ever indicated that they've been listening to school board show. That, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, how do you go about picking the schools? Or do you just – pick the schools the radio signal covers or do you extend your coverage just outside your area a little bit oh we our our coverage area extends from west alabama uh i guess the furthest west we go is red bay and uh the furthest east we go would be randolph county uh you know we go all the way east to west and we cover all those schools and and the reason we do that is that those teams, at some point in time, when you get to the playoffs, you're going to have mm-hmm. to play some of those teams. And coaches like to know who's doing well. and They know what region they're going to play in the playoffs. And they want to know how their team might stack up with the other team, you know, sitting, uh, that somebody they might play in the playoffs. So we started doing that, like I say, back when we started school board show. Uh, we just didn't cover the 50 or 60 schools in our listing area. We expanded that to uh, all the all of North and Northeast Alabama. You know, Jeff, uh, I feel I'll come back to you after this. Uh, I want to compliment you. I, I, I've covered high school sports a long time, too. In your scoreboard show, even if I wasn't an Alabama high school football fan, is very informative, and I love your coach interaction. And you and Phil with the coach is just something different. When did you incorporate that in? And is that something that you feel like kind of just, uh, for me, it just holds the program together. What What's your thoughts well, of that? Well, one, one reason we did that, Phil mentioned it earlier when we were talking about it. It's hard for us to know every kid's name in every school yes. that's in our area. But the coach does. So if we can get the coach on talking about the young men who played well in the game uh, or who made the big plays in the game, and he hears that, uh, or maybe maybe his buddy who's the running back with him, well, I want my name on the radio. So it's a way that uh, 
that uh, the coaches, I, you know, they can talk about kids and, and uh, you know, you promote them that way. But uh, interesting story, uh, when Drew Knowles was at Boaz, uh, he was, they were down at halftime to some team. And he went in and he told me this himself. Uh, and uh, Drew said, I went in the locker room and told the team that if y'all didn't come back in the second half, that Jeff Allen and Phil Harris on the school board show is going to talk about y'all losing tonight, <laughs> and the team that beats you is going to be the team of the week. Oh, so, no. <laughs> he, told, he told me that story. Boaz came back and won the game. So we've been used as motivation. <laughs> oh, that is awesome. <laughs> you know, because, because uh, you know, a lot of times you know if you're a, a really good team and somebody is not – shouldn't beat you is beating you most of the coaches in the area know uh that they could be if that could be the other team would be team of the week if they beat them so they they might use that now drew's the only one that told me that he did that but uh it wouldn't surprise me if other coaches have done it <laughs> that 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 is awesome and congratulations jeff because i know you carry on with uh phil uh and i like to dig at him a little bit but the combination of you and Phil just works perfectly. And then you throw the coach questions. I, I really feel like in that little five minutes, you and Phil and the coach will give us enough of the game that we kind of know what happened. Well, that that's what we want to do. Uh, you know, I know the one thing that uh, I tell Phil that we can't go too long with the coach because – You've got a lot of other fans that are not fans of that team. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want them to keep listening too, so, <laughs> uh, so you got to be careful with some of that. But uh, it's uh, that's that's what makes uh, the program great—the interaction with the coaches and the friendship that we've developed with those guys down through the years. Yeah, and I think you have to add to that. I think sometimes you know we'll ask them questions, kind of behind the scenes type things that people don't know to ask about. They just see the game on Friday night. There's things that happen behind the scenes, and I like to draw that out of a coach, and they like to share it, too. And it's just about the wins and loss and that type of thing. It's what leads up to that Friday night, because people see what happens on Friday night. They don't see what happens Sunday through Thursday. You're right. You're right about that, too. You know, one of the great things to me about school board is, you know, every year there's a team that you don't expect that has a good season. And, you know, when they start winning, there's more and more fans. And, you know, those fans get on board, and they like to hear that coach talk and talk about those kids. And I love to see programs that may have been down for a couple of years, and all of a sudden they win a couple of games early and get some confidence, and uh, they're making a run. And they may not be a state championship team, but when you go from a 3-7 and seven to a 7-3 and three team, uh, season that's a great improvement for any team Jeff. yeah you're definitely you're definitely right because you know everybody likes a winner but it's special for communities that you know have been beaten beaten down beat down beat down and all of a sudden their team starts winning it brings right. out a sense of pride in that community sure it does well you know all the to me that for alabama still plays community football you know, you go to Georgia and Tennessee, and it's like county football. But in the state of Alabama, it's still community against community. And, you know, that's kind of how school is known by is their sports programs. When they've got good sports programs, they think it's a good school. When their sports programs may be bad, people might not think it's highly of the school. Uh, you know, they're still good schools, don't get me wrong. 
but the, the sports program is what the people uh, from the outside area uh, they know about. They, you know, they they hear about in uh, the sports, and and uh, that's that's why I like to see some of these communities that have been down have have good seasons, whether it's been football or basketball, whatever it may be. Jeff, I, I just want to. God, that, that is so well said. And I think that's a perfect thought to end us up tonight. Uh, first, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Uh, Phil and I both were wanting to ask you questions so bad that we were um, tickled to have you on. And you're welcome back anytime. And uh, plug your show one last time for the people up here in Chattanooga that may want to find it. And uh, it's on. Uh, just, just give your facts real fast where the show can be found. Okay, we're on WQSD, which is FM 105 from Albertville, Alabama. And if you can't pick us on the radio, you can download it from your app store. It's WQSD, FM 105. You can download it and, and listen live anywhere you want to go. You can listen to us uh, on your on your phone. Thank you very much for the time, Jeff. Uh, Phil, you got anything to close us out tonight with Jeff? Well, it's just been a pleasure. I hadn't gotten talked to him much lately. Of course, we'll spend a lot of time together in the next about 16 or 18 weeks, and I look forward to it. And it's always good to work with Jeff because he's an open professional, and he's taught me a lot of things about radio where you can be a professional, but you can also have fun. And, uh, you know, it's a serious show. We have a lot of fun with it. Uh, but, you know, I think our uh, – I can't think of the word for it, our consistency – uh, has made the show successful, and, you know, and people enjoy it on Friday night. They really look forward to it. And feel like I'll see you, I guess, in about two weeks in Etowah County. Sounds like a winner. All right, guys, appreciate you having me on tonight. Thank you. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate you. Phil, All right. Such a consummate professional is Jeff, and he's, yeah. he always has been. Yes, yeah. It's been a pleasure to work with. I've learned a lot from him, you know, because he is professional. He does a lot of the research and a lot of the background of everything that goes on, statistical for the information and all that stuff. I just kind of throw in my knowledge of the game and maybe interviewing to a certain extent that kind of I look at things at a little bit of a different angle. So we complement each other, you know, and, and I think it works well. Uh, very rarely have we ever had a disagreement. You know, it's usually the only time we've had anything that happens because we've given a wrong score, you know, and that, that bothers us, you know, bothers him especially, but that bothers, you know, that bothers us both. We can't stand it when we do that. Uh, I know one time when they used to do the football contest, I got a text message. I just didn't see football game that we had, that we had punched in the score wrong on the contest and it made the person that won was not actually the person that won. Jeff was in Tuscaloosa at a football game. I had to text him and somebody had to go in and fix that score to make sure the person that won the contest won. Here we were way off and that score got punched in wrong for whatever reason. You know, that kind of thing bothers you, you know. It really bothered both of us. We were out at football games and found out we had put a score in the computer wrong. You know, Phil, but that's that's what that's what being a professional is. Um, yeah, I, and I, I do not joke with Jeff or you that most of the time I know the Tennessee scores getting off the radio because I'm I'm doing the Squatchy County scores. So I've been updated and I've had Coach T 
give me all the Chattanooga scores and the region scores. Last thing I want to do is listen to that again. So, uh, of course, I do a show down in North Alabama, and I want to get on there, and I want to hear how Sylvania done. I want to hear how Five done, Plainview, Fort Payne, Scottsboro, yeah. and and you two you get through the scores really super fast. So it's a great scoreboard show. You and Jeff do a better job, uh, you know, than you and I are than talking at the same time. But we're only, we're only three weeks in. We'll get better over time. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, though, and, and I know I've seen this happen time and time again, when we're giving out scores, you can watch the Huntsville Networks now streamline scores on the bottom of the page of the sportscast. And the newscasting going on. And we'll announce the score next run by, it'll be on there. Yeah. So they monitor us a lot of times to get their scores. But we've got a great rapport with them. In these media days, Marshall and Cab County, all three stations from Huntsville comes over, and they do a lot of their stories. And, and one thing I, we didn't really mention is we give the coaches a certain amount of time, 15 minutes, and the kids talk. And we do all that. But then as soon as it's over with, the media people are allowed to interview players and coaches right. off to the side. There's a place for them to do it. And for us, so, here, you know, And that adds, that adds a lot to it, too. It ain't just that 15. For us here at River City Media, you mentioned it, and and um, I said it in the past, I'll be there at DeKalb County, this state. River City Media is built on Sand Mountain football. We've had Coach Benefield on here, and, of course, we do the weekly Tyler Van show. Yeah, there's a uh, – I feel like there's a special, special feel to North Alabama football. And, and, and you get it up into, uh, in Sequatchie County. It's that valley, sand mountain. It's just a different kind of football. And Jeff said it right. It's still community football. Even though I'm at Sequatchie County, it's really only one city. It's Dunlap. We play Whitwell. We play – Marion County, which is really only one city, Jasper, and then we play South Pittsburgh. And it, it, in Tennessee, it's getting away from that. So to still have community football means a whole lot. Yeah, Georgia, you don't have small schools where everybody's combined. Very few small schools anymore. Uh, and, of course, you know, in this type of thing that we do on the media days we've talked about would be a great thing in the Squatchy Valley yeah. is having media days. In the Hamilton County area, having media days. Because uh, I think it would build more interest in high school football. Now, high school football is big up in Tennessee. There's no doubt about it. But it's probably just like what you're talking about is communities. Sometimes in your bigger cities, um, just maybe the people are involved or you are ones that have kids play. Yeah. When you get out in these communities, it's alumni stays involved they go to games until the day they die you know because it's a community event and that's just the way it's built around because a lot of times high school football is really all the community has it, it is and it means so much to those communities uh and we're going to come back to high school football here in a minute um we, we're going to have a couple more subjects to get through as we experiment a little bit with this with this um podcast but it feels I hate to go from such a high to a low, but I almost feel like it's it deserves a little more time. So I'm going to give it some time. Uh, we lost a Vols, Lady Vols legend this week. And it's someone that meant a lot to that program. And at 51 years old, we lost uh, Nikki McRae Pinson, or as we knew her, Nikki McRae. And I just wanted to ask you real, as we, 
transition here. What your memories of Nikki McRae was from her time at Tennessee? Well, she was an outstanding basketball player, no doubt. But over time, you figured out she was also an outstanding person. And, I, you know, that was all over the Internet, stories about her. You know, and I know she played for the Lady, Ball, Lady Balls, but that was an SEC loss because yes. she was an assistant coach. She was the head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, up until a couple of years ago before Coach Parcell took over, uh, she resigned from that position. And everybody uh, talked about her in such high regard. She was on the Olympic team. Um, Don Staley, you know, she was tied in with her. Yes. And she was just a great, she was just a great individual. And you, you hate to lose someone like that at such a young age because she inspired so many. You know, it, it's a, it's a story in reading all the stuff I've read in preparation for this is that it's somebody, a two-time SEC player of the year. Uh, she went to one final four with the Lady Vols, but I think she more than anything was an ambassador for the game because twice she played for the U.S. Olympic team. Her uh, involvement with Don Staley as an assistant coach, her head coaching jobs um, in women's basketball, Old Dominion, Rutgers, Tennessee, South Carolina. She was at places that are the blue bloods of college basketball, women's college basketball. And she was just a great ambassador for the game. Well, you know, and, and people don't, a lot of people don't know this, that her and her tie-in with Don Staley that was on the Olympic team was kind of a catalyst to get the WNBA started. Absolutely. So they were two of, they were two of those that kind of laid the groundwork for the ladies that are playing today. And, of course, they don't get a whole lot of credit for that, but they were the foundation of the WNBA. And a native of the state of Tennessee from Collarville. And uh, uh, ties to, of course, someone else we lost that's legendary in Pat Summit. Um, one of the things that that I think often gets overlooked is the legacy of the players that Pat coached. And this is another one that went on to lay a legacy of greatness in her life after Tennessee. And you start to see now as we look back over time, these women, at the time young women, who for, played for Coach Summit has now went to inspire the next generation post Pat's passing and now, unfortunately, uh, her passing. But it, it's a generational hand-me-down coaching tree, almost feel, from Coach Summit. Yeah, and, you, and it's amazing. You know, Coach Summit, you know, I got the pleasure of getting to meet her one time. Right, It was the year she got diagnosed with that onset dementia. And when you're in the room with her, and you know, you hear all these stories about, you know, you put people on a pedestal and you shouldn't, you know, they're people just like we are. But there's certain individuals out there that when you walk in a room with them, they have a certain aura about them. And Pat Summit was that way. And the reason she was that way is because when you walked up in front of her and talked to her, she, you had her undivided attention. It was like you was the only person in the room. Absolutely. And when you got through with her, then she let you go on. But otherwise, you got her undivided attention. And there's not very many people that you could say that will do that. But she was special. Um, Phil, what? 
I know we're talking about Nikki McGray's uh, legacy, which is a large part Tennessee legacy. Um, a lot of people talk about women's basketball and, uh, you know, legacy. And last year after Tennessee made their approach back to the upper end of the football world, there was a lot of Tennessee fans, myself included, that said college football is better with Tennessee. College basketball without a strong lady ball team really isn't the same. That legacy means so much on the imprint of that sport. Yeah, you're definitely right. And, you know, that same goes for Connecticut, too. Now, they Absolutely. built a tradition. Yeah, the Lady Vols laid the foundation for basketball. You know, and, it's, you know, another thing is, and you kind of sort of spin off from that, it's amazing how far women's sports has come. Yes. You know, I was watching, you know, the Lady Vols played in the College World Series. Well, they've moved the game, I think, when they were in the Super Regionals to ABC on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And they showed that game, and it had more more people watch that softball game on a Saturday afternoon on ABC than watch the NBA Finals Game 1, like 60% more of an audience than the NBA Finals in Game 1. And the NBA Finals and the NBA is supposed to be so popular you know, and I I don't see that. I think they punch a pump, pump, pump a bunch of money into it, and I don't think it's as popular as the media says it is. And you sit here and you watch these women play softball. It don't matter if they're down nine to nothing. They're up off the bench cheerleading. They wear their emotions on the sleeve. And I, you know, I'm inspired by the way these ladies play, and it goes the same for women's basketball. Yes, and, and uh, for that. Not only did the women's softball outdraw it, uh, I read just an article the other day that the ladies' final four, which was Iowa and LSU, and of course, Caitlin, amazing Caitlin Cross or, and Angela Reese, that was a national story for months, out, out produced or had the same amount of viewers as the NBA finals. Um, and, and it's these people like, you know, in 96, when Nikki McCray played at Tennessee. It had started to become something. But I can remember in the 80s, Phil, the Lady Balls winning a national championship and it being story four in the local newspaper. And these ladies like Nikki McCray, Pat Summit, uh, and to Gino Orianum's credit, uh, credit too, uh, have brought ladies athletics to the forefront. And it it's well-deserved. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, because, you know, they've worked hard for this. And I'll tell you, I don't know if you knew this or not, Randy. I read an article where Final Four tickets to the women's Final Four were more expensive than the men's this past year. Yeah. So that goes to show you how far women's basketball has come. Absolutely. And if you've not um, if you've not been out to a game, we used to uh, be lucky enough to get the SEC tournament here in Chattanooga where I live. And, and you'd see uh, these great teams, including I, I remember watching Nikki McCray play um, – back in those days with Tennessee. And uh, it was an amazing thing. If you've never supported women's basketball at the collegiate level or softball, please get out and support this. It's a great game. And to celebrate the life of Nikki McCray, we're going to post a, a website that supports cancer research and funding. Uh, we're going to post the Jimmy V website, which has done so much work with Cancer and uh, in Nikki McCray's honor, if you would consider giving through River City Media, 
we would be glad to just let us know and we'll 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 do something to help increase your donation a little bit and um make it count a little more phil because this this one hit home for me because i i just remember those we had a great athletic program at the university of tennessee in the 90s and you had the Shamika host call run you had the nikki mccray run uh that's football team but it was really a special time for me in the 90s being a tennessee alum yeah, you're definitely right. And, you know, you were talking about cancer research. and You know, the Jimmy V Foundation, you know, that speech he gave is 40 years old now, I think was 90. Yeah. No, was it 1992? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. It's, it's 40 years, 30 years, uh, 40 years since he made that speech. And it's still alive today like he made the speech yesterday. Every time I watch that, and it usually comes around, you know, in the month of uh, cancer awareness. I cry every time. Uh, ugly because, cry. you know, up until the very end, he fought and fought and fought. And what he, you know, what he basically told you, he goes, this, this cancer is the devil, and it's eating my body, but it cannot take my mind, it cannot take my soul. And that was his belief. And in his values and in in belief in God that kept him going in a positive manner till the cancer just finally overtook his body. But it didn't take his soul and it didn't take his mind because his memory is still alive today, 40 years after. Not for being a basketball coach, but being an ambassador for people. Absolutely. And he, Phil, my favorite line of that speech is if I can cry and laugh. And people confuse that sometime, and they think about crying. And if you listen to the second part, he said, if I can be moved to emotion to cry, that's being yeah. empathetic to your fellow man or be so happy for someone else. Um, and that's something that we've lost in this society that is being happy for someone else to tears. And it, it's hard to find. And we've lost another good one in Nikki McRae. And it's something that's, Jimmy V, cancer, it's all, it's it's horrible, man. And, and young people, 51 years old, she was way, a lot of life to live for Nikki McRae. Yeah, and when, like you are talking about with Jimmy V, and you know, and a lot of these people maybe don't understand this, if you put God first, at some point during the day, your emotions are going to bring yeah. you to cry. Your Absolutely. emotions are going to bring you to laugh at a certain point every day. And like he said, if you have that happen to you, you've had a good day. That, that right. means you cherish the moment, you live for today, you don't worry about tomorrow. Well, Phil, when we started this podcast, we wanted to have wonderful guests like Jeff Allen, and, and I love, that was exactly what we wanted from this podcast. And we also wanted to have wonderful testimony about someone's life and our own life, and you are exactly right. If you If you live your life so that you can find emotion and happiness, in that form through God, then you have lived a full day. Yeah. And hopefully, you know, we're going to have, I think intentionally maybe we're going to have Chad Gore. We're going to have, we're going to have him tonight, but he come down with the flu. Maybe we can get him next Monday. He was the dean at, uh, dean of instruction at Northeast and talk about the program and talk about their softball coach coming in because the area we're covering, you know, is the Chattanooga area, Northwest Georgia area, Northeast Alabama, the Sequatchie Valley. There's opportunities for kids to come play sports Absolutely. in these college, and they need to know about that. And I'm sure 
we'll eventually have the head softball coach on, we think, and to reach out to these communities because there are be some kids in that Sequatchie Valley area that will have opportunities, like Trenton even, that can Absolutely. come down here and play at uh, Northeast College because I think out-of-state tuition is waived if you're in, like, Marion County and uh, you know, Dade County if you come down here to Northeast. So, you know, and, of course, we want to have more people um, around the Chattanooga area, coaches, former coaches, players, you know, everything we can get lined up. And then, you know, of course, if there's people who wants to come on, give us a holler. Get in touch with me or Randy some way. We'll get you on. I talked with Coach Hammonds down here at Valley Head. He, he, you know, he agreed to come on at some point uh, and talk football uh, and talk about the community here at Valley Head. You know, because, we, you know, it's not just about wins and losses in sports. You know, it's about how these coaches and players affect their community and what they do for their community. That's what's important, and that's what we want to hear about. Absolutely. And, and you know, we went through a little bit there talking about Nikki McRae, but what you just brought up means a lot uh, to what this podcast wants to accomplish, which is shedding a positive light on local high school sports. And a lot of those folks that may not get the light all the time. And when we talk about that and we kind of said it with Jeff, Phil, that's, that's, that's close. And we're close to getting into this football season. I believe dead week ended in Alabama today. Yes. And, um, yes, they're back to working out. And, uh, so, uh, coach van, uh, he, uh, he was he. I think he hates Dead Week more than anybody. He wants the kids to go have a good time, but I know he was anxious to get everybody back. Uh, in Tennessee, they get them back next week, I believe. But we got games coming up soon, and we've got before that a couple of things we're going to do at different jamborees. Yeah, we need to cover that before we go off about coming up at at. Uh... Sequatchie County because, uh, you know, we're going to try to be there with Sequatchie County scrimmages, Red Bank, and then the Jamboree. And then maybe, you know, we can go at least one night over into Chattanooga because their Jamborees on, are on three nights. Yes. Sequatchie County ended, ended on the 11th. Yeah, and yeah, one night. Chattanooga is the 10th, 11th, and 12th. I'll let you talk about all that, but we want to try to get out there and see all we can see. Well, we want to be at Sequatchie County because, you know, I I've, I've, don't keep it secret. I am the voice of Sequatchie County. And we're getting a lot of teams into Sequatchie County that weekend or that Friday night. And it, it's not teams that we normally see during the year. A couple of them are, a couple of them aren't. But uh, people in Dunlap, people in Pikeville, to get Ray County to come over from, from the Dayton area is a big deal because Ray County plays 5A football. They usually don't can't schedule um, over in the Sequatchie County and Marion County area they did a couple of years ago against marion county and got beat phil so that shows you how that goes and we've got howard coming in um just some schools that i love seeing that we don't get to see in the regular season of course there'll be some familiar faces there blitzall county whitwell but um it's something we're going to get out and try to get some coaches interview that day i will uh probably have this on i haven't haven't verified yet, but we will either have it on River City Media or it'll be on the radio station in Dunlap. But either way, we're going to have programming here on River City Media. And it might be, uh, I put Phil up in the booth for a while and I go talk to some coaches or 
I go to the booth and you go talk to some coaches, but we're going to, we're going to try to get some insight. And it's real special before that on August the 5th, I believe it is Red Bank who uh, comes over traditional state power. Uh, some team that a team that we used to see almost every year in the playoffs who's moved up to 4A, but Phil Red Bank holds a special place for you because a lot of your youth was spent in Red Bank. Yeah, my seventh and eighth grade part of my ninth grade year, and of course, Coach Gatewood, who is the head coach, he may not remember me from Adam's Housecat, but I was in the same class as his sister. He was two years older than me. Right. He was one of those people that when I was in seventh grade, you kind of looked up to. He's a great, he was a great individual. I remember him from school, and he, like I say, he probably won't remember me. He'll have to dig back way back in the memory books and, and maybe even pick out an annual to see, you know, who I might be. But uh, he went on and played, was a star at Red Bank High School, uh, one of the best all time players in Red Bank football history. And then he went on to Memphis and played. He's coached at Ottawa. He's Hamilton. Now he's back at Red Bank. This will be his second year, I think. He's been very successful in coaching, and you know, and I, you know, I play, I lived all over Chattanooga. I played over in the Lakeside area. I played in East Ridge, uh, and you know, I uh, went to school at Booker T. Washington and played at Lakeside. That was a feeder to Tyner High School. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played in East Ridge, like I say. Uh, I like I played uh, little league baseball over in the Brainerd area. So there was different areas. I could have ended up in many different high schools around the Chattanooga area. So a lot of them were very special places for me. My aunt and uncle who lives in Cleveland, they both went to East Street. So uh, my brother even went to Ottawa at a time. I only spent one year in Ottawa. So I have a, a, a lot more roots dug into the Chattanooga area than I thought. And I'm working now. I finally got on Facebook. I, I know that's a big uh, to you. I can't believe that. Yeah, I, I, I could Well, maybe some of those people again and rekindle some, you know, I would, you know, just acquaintances I had over the years. You know, I've kind of I've probably been forgotten about because that's been a long time ago. Uh, but, you know, you still have those roots, Doug, and you use them to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we're going to hopefully get to touch on a, uh, some of the people from your past, but also some of the current uh, athletes. I know a couple that I've talked to about uh, coming on and maybe as we talk to coaches is maybe getting a couple of young people that are being recruited or, 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 or is making a name for themselves in the Hamilton County area. We might have some young people on here themselves, but before we move on, Phil, I want to give you these dates at Sequatchie County. Um, Okay. It's going to be Tuesday, August the 3rd, scrimmage at Red Bank at home, starting at 6 p.m. Central Time. And then Friday, August the 11th, uh, at a Indian Stadium, Sequatchie County Stadium, it's Sequatchie County, Whitwell, Howard, Grundy County, Bledsoe, Ray County. And that's such a great mix of a couple of teams we play during the regular season and a couple of teams we don't play. Um, they usually schedule Sequatchie County not to play anybody they play in the regular season. So I think we might get in those the two quarters Sequatchie County plays. I think we might get a Ray County Sequatchie uh, quarter and a uh, Sequatchie Howard quarter, which would be just fabulous football. Oh yeah, that'd be a great crowd draw, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of folks over in the Sequatchie Valley uh, with a lot of interest. Uh, 
during that time, even though, you know, it's kind of, it's we kind of dress rehearsal. But I remember when I was young and I grew up in San we all the Jamboree games were played over at Brainerd. And it, you know, and everybody played one quarter, but it was so much fun to get to go see the dress rehearsal. Even the bands came. Yeah. And uh, the, the best one to watch was the old Riverside. Yeah. Uh, they were the best band to watch. That's what you went to watch was during the Jamboree was the bands. And getting to see Riverside was worth the price of admission, didn't matter how much football. Hey, hey Phil, and two, um, you know, we can say it's window dressing, but you all, well, everybody knows Ray County's 5A, and oh, whoever Ray County gets in that scrimmage the last couple of years they've been over there, uh, they get the best shot. It's it's a quarter real football in there for them playing oh, Ray yeah. County because you don't get a you don't get a shot at a 5A school often or or a school like Howard. So, uh, you know, it's fun to watch. Uh, last year we got a quarter where it was Bledsoe and Ray County and. It may have been one of the hardest fought quarters of football I saw all last year. Yeah, so. yeah, because I mean, because that's always fun, you know. The rap, you know, like you say, it is windy dressing, but it means something. But you know, the coaches want the kids to get their feet wet. Right? Yeah, because you know, some kids are looking forward to stand out and make a name for themselves, and a lot of times you have to put that uniform on before you can tell what you got. Yep, absolutely, uh, Phil. I'm looking forward to to it and. Uh, We'll have further announcements as we get for uh, exactly what we're going to do as we get farther along. But uh, also, I just, too, we're going to uh, bring back the Tyler Van Show in August. So we, we appreciate anybody that supported us there. We're coming back for our second year. And Phil, uh, not to plug my own horn there, but that that's something a little different when you get a coach on here for an hour every Wednesday to talk about upcoming opponent what happened the week before it's insight to a high school football program that i don't know anyone in the state and the biggest compliments we've had has come from a couple of coaches that really uh, they enjoy this because of the exposure sylvania's players uh, assistant coaches get from this field it's 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 something special yeah, uh, definitely. So, you know, of course, it's hard because you have the same coach on every week and you have to find something new to keep him interested uh, into doing what he does. But, you know, when you get the kids involved, that makes it a whole lot easier uh, to do that type of thing. And I know Coach Coach Van, you know, I'm sure enjoys doing it, but sometimes it can be a little grueling. Well, you know, what you do is you wait till the week after he gets a 15-yard personal foul penalty for yelling at the referees. And you bring his wife on to yell at him. Yeah, I'm telling you, that keeps Coach Van involved in that show that week. So, or or <laughs> or, or you ask him about the week, before, uh, the music that they played at Coach Coach Clark played at practice. That's another one that'll get him started pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, I think, you know, but you know, with all you know, making fun or poking fun, where you know, Coach Van. You know, the kids really relate to him where well, he works them hard. He uh, does. But he has a knack to getting those kids to do and, and stay motivated. You know, he's just one of those coaches that just has a knack. You know, that, you know, Coach Benefield style, uh, not really the style, but uh, he just, you know, he just gets more out of the kids than they, you know, than they, than they can give sometimes. He just has a way of motivating them. Yep. And speaking of Sylvania, and we'll get a, uh, Wing Fest is August the 5th at Sylvania High School, one of their big uh, 
promotions each year uh, that allows Sylvania to compete at the level they want. And it's exactly right, Phil. Uh, we, Coach Van is a starting his third year at Sylvania, his fourth as a head coach. He's already been to a semifinal, bright future at Sylvania football. Yeah, you know, we talked about this last year. You know, they got all the way to the semifinals and had some things go their way. You know, they may have better teams and not have that schedule look or that look at the right time. You may have better teams that might not get to the semifinals once again. Absolutely. Uh, he did an outstanding job. Of course, they went up against Piedmont, a team that's, uh, you know, just, you know, unreal year in, year out. But Coach Tyler Van did a great job. You know, they had a lot of injury problems, but just kept finding a way to win. Played Piedmont twice, played um, Fife. Uh, you know, Coach Van really schedules the schedule. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, you can be in that region where you have, uh, and now Coach Smith's at Westbrook Christian, you can, you can be a better football team and be the third or fourth seed in that area. Yeah, yeah, definitely so. That's what I'm saying. They can be better this year and not get as far in the playoffs. Uh, uh, but, uh, of course, you know, I, I'm looking for them to have a pretty good season. they got a good nucleus coming back. And so I think they will do well. You know, incidentally, talking about Coach Smith moved over to Westbrook, um, I got to speak with him a couple of weeks back, and he I asked him how he was enjoying his job. He said, well, it's different. He said, but I'm excited. At, so I, I guess he's dealing, he's dealing with a lot of different situations than he had at Piedmont. Did you ask him how his uh, heaters were in the locker room at Westbrook? <laughs> no, I didn't go that far. I hear that's they've been. That's what I was trying to get him. Talk, that's what I was trying to get him talk to him about coming on the show. Yeah, and uh, he said he's doing so I told him, I said, well, maybe we can find some way to either record yeah, absolutely. the show with him one night or something like that, because uh, I'd love to have him on. Absolutely. Because, you know, there's a lot of stories uh, that he can share, uh, some I know about, especially one I would like to ask him about, you know, how did their big Thanksgiving celebration got started uh, when he was at Piedmont. Uh, somebody told me about that. I'd like for him to share that. Yeah. Because you know, Coach Smith is an outstanding individual. And uh, I thank the world of him. And, you know, we you know we don't know each other day to day, but places he's been, uh, he's been at Cedar Bluff and uh, been at Piedmont. So I've known him through uh, media, and uh, and I thank the world of him. You know, and yeah, I, I'm giving him a hard time about the eaters, but I think Coach Fan would say uh, of his four or five mentors and coach and uh, Coach Benefield and Coach Smith is has been two of his biggest inspirations and two of the people he's leaned on uh, in situations that maybe he didn't always understand what to do. So, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, definitely so. Yeah, because, you know, Coach Van is still, you know, he's, he's still a work in progress. I mean, he jumped right in, got thrown to the wolves, and, you know, he ain't much older than the kids he's coaching. No, you know? he's not. So, uh, you know, and he's going to be an outstanding coach. He started at a young age, and, you know, he's got, you know, things he's still got to learn and do. You know, Coach Benefield will tell you, he's a whole lot better coach than he was 20 years ago. He absolutely you know, he, you know, he'll was. Tell you, he goes, he said, we could have done better in the playoffs when I was at Sylvania uh, if I would have been a better coach back then. Yeah, you know, he told us. So, uh, he'll tell you that. But, uh, of course, uh, you know, he's had some outstanding kids to coach. You know, the Anderson, he had two of the Anderson uh, kids at Sylvania was now – 
one of them's son is now playing at five, and he is an outstanding player. And I told Coach Benefield one day, I said, well, he was talking about Chad Anderson. And I said, well, he gets it honest. I said, you know, his dad and uncle both were pretty good. And, you know, he takes him back. He goes, oh, yes, they were. So, yeah, yeah. It's a bloodline thing. Yeah, he, he told us a great story on Airfield about how, you know, in that great game we called uh, Sylvania and Colbert County, how, you know, and LeBron breaks his hand to quarterback late in the fourth quarter. Yeah. He talked about if he had had that shotgun wing tee in his uh, – offense back then he could have kept LeBron in the game just by getting him out and under the center because he couldn't take a snap. It's it's amazing what a coach learns over time. Uh Phil, we're running short on time and I do have one more topic I want to hit real fast. I want to talk to you about and um and get just get out in the public and, and I think it's a major shift in uh baseball and college baseball and let's start at the top of the draft where we saw two LSU players go one and two and cruise and an absolutely great story in screens. And I know you're not the biggest college baseball fan, but that's a great story in screens, how he left Air Force and transferred to LSU, wins the national championship. Yeah, and he's an outstanding pitcher. And, of course, you know, I kind of keep up with SEC, but I don't really keep up with a whole lot of things like draft and who's what. Yeah. Uh, I kind of sort of watch, uh, you know, whoever's winning the SEC games. Tennessee's doing pretty good. I'm a little more interested. Uh, but college baseball, I, I love college softball. I watch it anytime. But, you know, you only have room on your plate for certain things. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I stay busy. And uh, so a lot of times I don't keep up with every day. I love the Braves, but I don't get to keep up with them very much other than see how they're doing nightly. Right. I just, you know, have a busy schedule. Uh, and, of course, you know, anytime I can, I'm going to be around high school sports as much as I can uh, because of, you know, being involved with the community here and a lot of the other things that I have put on my plate. Uh, but I enjoy doing it. And, of course, college baseball is huge uh, because these, these kids now come right out of college and goes right to the major leagues. Yeah, and it's amazing, and I don't, I don't think schemes will spend any time in the minors. Uh, it goes to a Pirates team that I don't know either. I guess a little bit of it is what the Pirates want to do, and uh, but I know during the College World Series they talked about several times that he could step into a major league team and be a, a, maybe not a starter, maybe a long reliever or something, but that his stuff was good enough to never play a single inning of minor league baseball. And, Phil, you talked about SEC uh, college baseball, and that's that's what I wanted to real fast touch on. Screens, you, you, we've, of course, covered. Chance Dol- Chase Dolinger from uh, Dolinger from Tennessee goes ninth overall to the Rockies. And then the Braves draft Hollinger, a Florida pitcher. So three of the top 24 are SEC pitchers. And I think five of the top 30 was college pitchers. Phil, uh, not as much about the baseball itself, but the development of a player. Why do you think getting that college uh, – I, I, I think it's maybe the, the weight room, but there's something that the major leagues get to see in that three years from pitchers that they really like, and that's the wave of the future. Is it the well, maturity? Know, yeah, I think a lot of that is the hitting in the SEC. So if you have a pitcher that comes in and is successful against SEC hitters, then I think you're a, a kind of a step ahead 
of everybody else because if you know if you watch some of these teams uh hitting is, is a big part of it but when it got down to the college world series guess who the winners were it was the ones that could pitch yeah and because uh, hitting don't always you know it's according to what ballpark you're playing in but pitching is consistent and i think that's where really the pitchers shine is when they get in that postseason when you're going against the best and they're successful. So Skeens was very successful in the postseason, and that's why he was drafted number one. You know, and, and not not uh, missing from my little conversation I had was uh, the front end, three of the eight are from the SEC that went to the College World Series, being Tennessee, uh, LSU, and Florida play for the championship. Their number one starters all go within the first 24 picks. So there's a point yeah, that good, you've got yeah. to that. Good, yeah, because Tennessee didn't get there by consistent hitting. It was consistent pitching when it got into the postseason. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Phil, one one more question. We'll round it up. I want to talk just a minute of, about our guest earlier. Um, get, Jeff was on here. Uh, I am so inspired by Jeff's story and, and just how – we all who does do high school football should inspire to be professional as Jeff Allen is. Um, give us a good – close us out with a good Jeff Allen story if you have one or a, a good Jeff Allen uh, memory from Phil Harris's bank that he's done 15 years of scoreboard with. Well, this was one that I – and it just immediately popped into my head. But this is – talking about where he got elected to the DeKalb County Sports Hall of Fame. Well, as soon as I heard about it, I was so thrilled for him. And I called him and talked to him about it and asked him, I said, do you have tickets? I want me and Chrissy wants to come because this is a big moment for you. I know you're not the type of person that likes to pat yourself on the back, but this is, you know, this is big. This is, you know, this is huge. I said, it's uh, the dedication and professionalism that you have put out there it's got you this you know and Jeff said well it definitely wasn't because I was a good player on the field and I said well Jeff that just goes to show you how important life is off the field not on the field it ain't always about wins and losses I said but there's people behind the scenes that make a difference so when we were I was trying to figure out a way I wanted to share it on our school board show but I never could find the right timing it just wouldn't fall right. I said, God, I want to do this. I don't want to embarrass him because he don't like that type of thing. He don't like to be the center of attention. And that's one thing. He doesn't have – you know, he has a confidence factor, but he doesn't have a big ego. And so when we were talking one night, all of a sudden two of the guys came into the room, and I was thinking, I said, hey, here's my time. So – when we came back from commercial, Jeff made some statement about something. I said, wait a minute, I've got something I want to share. And I told about that. And I was worried about how Jeff would react. And uh, he was humbled by it. And he was, I think he was glad that I was able to pull that in and have that do because the three guys that worked on the staff with us were in the room. Of course, they clapped uh, when we talked about it. And he got to share a little bit about, you know, about his story about it happened. He was real humble, and uh, I think that was a nice gesture to get to do that for him because a lot of the people probably in Marshall County, Etowah County, didn't know that he had been elected to DeKalb County uh, Sports Hall of Fame, and is well-deserved. And uh, he even was the MC for the event 
the night I went to. Mm-hmm. But that just, you know, that just shows you the class of person he is. Phil, the one thing that I will say that yourself, uh, Jeff, um, anybody that gets out on a Friday night that does high school football, play-by-play, color, scoreboard show, anybody that that takes their time to do that, it's about that is successful. It's about the kids. And I think you heard that in Jeff's interview earlier. It's, it's not about Jeff Allen and they ain't. None of us getting rich covering high school sports, but it's about the opportunity to give someone who uh, is about to get a real some someone that's about to get a real job and have to grow up, give them a moment in the spotlight. A lot of times, because a lot of these kids are not like the Carnell Williams that get to go on and play college football and pro football. And you're, you're lucky if you have a couple of those in a, in, in, a, in a career. So. Anyone that does anything special with these kids, that that means a lot, Phil. That's that's really what Jeff Allen does this for. Well, I think, you know, I've told him many times that, you know, I get out. I, I see a lot more people because of the job I have. And I've gotten along with a lot of coaches, mainly because of basketball. It's given me the opportunity to get to see a lot more football coaches and stuff like that. So, doing you know, basketball has helped in that. Right. And I told him, I said, you know, Jeff, so the, the comments I get from people, from parents, from people in the community, coaches, you know, I said, we go, we do God's work and we don't even realize it. Uh, because that's our job is to put these kids on a pedestal, make them feel good about themselves. And that's what it's all about. I mean, I don't do it for the pay. I don't do it to get to get uh, Phil Harris to get his name patted on the back. That ain't what I do it for. At the end of the day, when I hear a parent, it tells me that their kid was inspired about what we said. That makes every night worthwhile. Absolutely. Well, and then Jeff too. Uh, he does it with such a handicap. I mean his his staff, especially that guy on the air with him. He it, it, he's just got to drag him to the finish line every now and then. Yeah, I think you know he he goes home with a sore back because he has to carry me. Yeah. You're right, Phil. Uh, I've told you many times you, when it comes to high school football. I would place your judgment ahead of 99.9% of the people that does this. So uh, if you Kevin, if you're listening to us, we're playing with format, but stay with us. We're going to get there. As you can see, uh, we had a guest and then done about an extra 45 minutes. Phil and I are playing with the link we want to go. And I think as we get closer to football season, we're going to have to expand our coverage just a little bit, Phil, just to get everybody in and, I played with it tonight. We're going to go about 90 minutes, and that, that seems kind of right. So, um, Yeah, I think so. And, and, if, and I think if we can work towards it, just maybe have a couple of guests, yes. especially when you get towards football season. Absolutely. And, and, and then that football season, too, there's going to be times that we have a big story we want to talk about. Uh, I know for, for me, I, I, that first week of the Tennessee State football, uh, for the first time ever, Phil, Sequatchie so County, Bledsoe County, week one. How exciting is that? Week one, straight out of the gate, I get the battle of the stump. And maybe we can get a couple of the coaches on for that. And uh, got a feeling we may be able to get a couple of quarterbacks on. Uh, Reese Phillips, who is a local quarterback guru that's worked for with Stetson Bennett and Baker Mayfield and works with a ton of high school quarterbacks. I got a couple of fillers out to him to see if he'd like to come on. Um, we're going to have the guests when it gets football season. And uh, I, and I'd love to have Jeff back again sometime down the road. 
Yeah, maybe you know, maybe we can do that. I'm sure he'd be glad to do it. Uh, you know, because uh, Jeff enjoys what he does. You know, I don't know what's going to happen in Northeast Alabama when he decides to retire. We're not going to worry about that right now. Uh, but someday, you know, it will happen. Uh, you know, but Jeff, he just keeps going to bat every Friday night. And I tell you one thing, what we didn't talk about, he does a. We have a team of the week, and we also have a player of the week award. Yes. And on Fridays, he goes all around Northeast Alabama handing out. He might go to Spring Garden at noon. He may be at three o'clock at Pisgah for the team of the week trophy, then back to the station to get ready for the show. He does that every Friday. And I don't see how he does it. I'm not able to help him a whole lot. I go to some of the team of the weeks, but I, you know, my job don't allow me to do that. But he's a trooper. That he'll travel all over North Alabama if he has to. Well, I've only got one question for that DeKalb County week. I want, want to ask Coach Van uh, how good of a host does he have for his show because if he don't come across with the right answer, we may be moving on to Red Devil football on River City. Maybe I'm not saying it. Just kind of just throwing it out there, Coach Van. You know, give a little love to me out there. So, uh, he, may slam, he may slam the door in your face. He may do it. He may do it. Cause I went to Wingfest last last year and it would be well deserved uh, i'm telling you uh, ever since i ate like 35 wings at wing fest he's threatening to kick me off the podcast anyway you know that's a huge event i was there a couple of times i haven't been the last couple of years i was a judge for a couple of years back uh, but it's a huge event they raise some money it's unreal yeah uh, how many people comes and and participates in that event it makes Sylvania a lot of money i know coach Putnam used to do that yeah and, uh, and they did real well with it. There are so many uh, schools out there on Sand Mountain that can use a, you know, gas is th- three something a gallon and charter buses fill. I don't. I was told this by the uh, Squatch County Quarterback Club, double what they used to be three years ago before COVID. So yes. everybody can mm-hmm. use a little bit of money right now. If you could got something you'd like to donate, go to your local high school, find one of the high school programs. Find a junior high program. Find some sports program. Give a little money to it. So, Yeah, yeah, because it costs big money. Just like the uh, athletic department had a quarterback club in their meeting room. Just got new, new tables. I think tables and chairs like $1,200. Absolutely. You know, and it used to be that would be five or six maybe. But, you know, now but it's something that had to be done. We didn't have any choice. I mean. The room looks a lot better. It'd be a lot better meeting place, especially when you have meetings for your quarterback club, things like that. And then when the kids come in and they feed them and he has meetings there, you know, it makes it a lot nicer because you want these kids to dress nice. I mean, you play how you like you look. You know, if your uniforms are shabby, you're going to play shabby. If you look good, you're going to play good. That's just, you know, that's just the fact when it comes to to any kind of sport. And every one of the programs that I'm feeling affiliated with up here Hickson or Sequatchie County or Sylvania um, all of them feed the kids on game day Phil that gets expensive too yeah oh definitely so I mean that happens in all here in North Alabama too they, they do it as cheap as they can but you want the kids to have something to eat. you know because yeah. some of these kids don't get any meals yep. you know they come from families where you know they don't you know their meals are not very good I noticed uh, that in DeKalb County uh, Jackson County and Fort Payne City this year, all breakfast and lunches are free. Yeah. Same thing at Hickson Elementary or Middle School where my daughter goes. So it's, it's nice to have that. Phil, as we wind down on our 90-minute version, 
You got any final words to end up tonight before we get out of here? Something you want to cover, say, thoughts, anything? I, I just look forward to next week. Uh, going on vacation next week, so I'll, I'll, when I talk to you next week, I'll be on the beach in Panama City, which would be nice. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking forward to football season getting started because after that, after my vacation this week, it all starts uh, with the media days down here in Etowa, Marshall, and uh, Jackson DeKalb. And then, of course, you know, after that, you know, we'll have the stuff going on starting in Tennessee. I've got my wife's cousin. He plays at Gordon Lee. We're going to try to see him on September 3rd. So, they kind of keep up with Northwest Georgia, too. You know, some coaches over there I do know. So, it's an exciting time of the year. And, of course, we're going to try to implement everybody. You know, there's a couple mm-hmm. coaches over in Georgia I want to try to get lined up for us to have on at some point. Uh, as a matter of fact, one would be like Paul Ellis at Chattooga. His yes. son got hired as assistant here at Valley Head. So people like that, would love to have him on because now he has a son in coaching. That really has to make him proud. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and we'll get around to everybody three weeks in, and it's headed in the direction that we want it. And, again, the only feedback, we appreciate your feedback. Give us feedback. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, let us know what you want to hear, you know. But feel the feedback we've got is stay local, and I think that's that 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 works well. And hey, folks, when we get out a little bit, and then we'll wrap it up tonight in SEC um, time. Phil and I may be Tennessee fans, but we're college football fans. It, that Georgia Tennessee week, we'll we'll focus on that. But Alabama Auburn week, I'm sure we'll focus a little bit on Alabama Auburn and or uh, Auburn, Georgia week. Uh, there's a lot of rivalries that we may in- include in here because our fan base here in East Tennessee, North Alabama, North Georgia covers a so lot scared. of yeah. a lot yeah. of schools. Yeah. It's all over the place. And, you know, and besides that, it's not just about the teams that play. It's about the kids who play. And it don't matter what team they play for when they take their hats off. So, yeah. You know, when it comes down to it, they're people. And so you, you want to uh, talk about any of them in a positive way. It don't matter what school they play for, what color they wear. It does not matter. When you stay in media long enough, you figure that out. Yeah, if your team wins, it's special, but you root for people anyway. So it don't matter who wins and loses. Yeah, and there's a couple of great uh, smaller football programs in our area, Chattanooga and Jacksonville State, that I'm sure will incorporate it in. But the 90-minute version of – Beyond, behind, I liked your name, Phil. Behind the booth uh, is a lot better than in the booth because uh, it kind of sounded like we were in jail the other way. But again, yeah. 33 sports to recognize the young man who donated so freely to your life, also to our Lord and Savior who lived 33 years on this earth, is part of our motto. It's part of the reason we're here. Yeah, definitely so. And I enjoyed it, Randy, and we'll do it again another time. For Phil Harris, for Randall Cunningham, for River City Media, join us every Monday night. Like, follow, and share Facebook, iTunes, YouTube, Twitter, LinkedIn, every social media you got. Just tune in to River City Media. Good night, and God bless.